You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Some serious allegations tonight after a day at the pool turned into a nightmare for one family. Families say they were using the pool in their townhouse complex when they were questioned about their right to be there. They believe because of the color of their skin. John Hua has this Global News exclusive. Living in a Surrey strata with a swimming pool was supposed to be the perfect solution on a scorching hot day. Only us. Can you imagine? Only us were asked to show ID. Instead, this video taken Thursday shows Gerda Henry after being asked to prove she could use the common facilities just a few steps from her front door. I cried all yesterday afternoon and I woke up this morning crying. Henry says the complex caretaker was sent over by another resident. She believes based on the color of their skin. Literally 40 seconds after walking in and she was like, um, there's some concerns that you guys shouldn't be here. I'm like, excuse me? Despite showing them the key fob needed to access the pool, Henry says she was still asked to show ID, citing concerns people have jumped over the fence to get in. Yet several other families also at the pool were never questioned. Do I need to pl plaster my face and my family's face on the billboard so they can see that it's okay for us to be here? Even after Henry proved they were owners, she says it didn't end there. When she left to tend to her toddler, the resident who complained then approached her 12-year-old niece. I felt very interrogated because for me sitting down, he's like a 5'7", I think he's 5'7", and he was towering over me basically, and he didn't leave. The Strata Council says the man in the video is on council and the clubhouse committee. Writing the inquiry of this should not have occurred in this manner. Steps are currently being taken to remove that committee member from the clubhouse committee based on their actions in overstepping their boundary. The hurt, the pain that I'm enduring right now, I am doing this today because I don't want anyone else to have to go through that. Shockingly, this mother of two says this is the second incident she's faced like this at this pool. But this time, it has to stop. It hurts that my kids had to witness it, and I bought this because of them. A pool just steps from where they live. Now a painful reminder that hits too close to home. John Hua, Global News. Another tough day for commuters in Vancouver with a more than four-hour closure of the Lionsgate Bridge due to a police incident. It started just after 7 this morning. The bridge closed and the Vancouver Police Department's crisis response team was called out. The detour sent thousands of cars onto other routes, which led to long delays on the highway and across the ironworkers, which became further congested due to a stall at around the same time. Also backed up the sea bus line on the North Shore, long lines of passengers waiting to get downtown. The police incident finally came to a successful end around noon today. The Lionsgate Bridge camera capturing the dramatic events as they unfolded. The man was transported to hospital. No word tonight on his condition. The bridge reopened shortly thereafter, and thankfully most commuters we spoke with were understanding and took it all in stride. It was actually, you know what, being a Canadian, I really felt that if, if we would have been anywhere else, that people would have been pushing and shoving and rude. People were very polite. People were very patient. There was one lady that had a baby. And there was one lady that had a special needs child and people were very aware and available to make sure that people were looked after and taken care of. Yeah, I'm about two and a half hours late for work today. Yeah, that's okay. I called ahead, it's fine. Yeah, but uh, everyone seemed pretty calm. The C-Train I just had had engine problems, so they're doing the best they can. 
It was uh, three sailing weight, and then we just got on this one, and they announced engine problems. So we sat there for about another, I don't know, five or ten minutes. Then off we went. So yeah, it was uh, it was a bit of a wait. There's a crowd right out to the uh, to the where the buses pull in. A wildfire off Shushwap Road in East Kamloops is now pegged at about 500 hectares thanks to better mapping and some overnight growth. The blaze broke out yesterday and quickly spread thanks to high winds in the area. Jennifer Palma has more on the firefight and the provincial risk as we head into a hot, dry weekend. The firefight continues in Kamloops. Smoke and flames could be seen to the northeast of the city. Overnight, the out-of-control grass fire grew to 500 hectares. Well, smoke was the worst. You couldn't yeah. see much of the flame until it just got to the lip here. I was on fire watch, yeah. <laughs> so I made sure I didn't go to bed till it got daylight and I knew it was okay. It was a small fire to begin with in mostly grass and sagebrush. It is what we consider a flashy fuel, so it burns quite quick, but then um, will also kind of quickly die down if it stays within that fuel type. The East Shushwap Road fire began yesterday around noon. It's still burning uphill. An evacuation order had been in place briefly but was rescinded. No structures have been destroyed and nobody is hurt, but everyone is worried for their safety. We have found uh, little hot spots where the sparks have uh, lit old uh, stumps up on fire. We did our best to put those out. Uh, hopefully this fire guard uh, can help prevent the fire from spreading. Heavy and aerial equipment are being enlisted to help put out flames, but high temperatures and strong winds are making the situation difficult to fight. They do have the top end of the fire at the top of the hill fully contained with machine guard at this time. Um, however, they are still working on uh, the southeast and west flanks. The BC Wildfire Service is planning to burn remaining forest fuel to prevent the East Shushwap Road fire from spreading more. The cause of the blaze is unknown, but investigation is underway. As for the rest of the province, it remains in the moderate to high danger rating. In the Lower Mainland, our sunny weather has helped push the fire rating in West Vancouver from low to moderate. Jennifer Palma, Global News. A Richmond man has been found guilty of two counts of manslaughter in connection with a fatal fire. The incident happened back in 2015. Neighbors called 911 about a house fire at a duplex on Cornerbrook Crescent in Richmond. The bodies of a woman and a boy were found inside. Today, Surgeon Singh Dosanj was found guilty of two counts of manslaughter in connection with their deaths. Sentencing will be scheduled at a later date. A mother and her young son are starting over, losing everything when a fire broke out in their rental apartment overnight. The pair just moved back to B.C. Jill Bennett now on who they credit with possibly saving their lives and why losing their belongings isn't their only concern. Are there fire inspectors are in there? Almost everything Caroline Hay owns has been destroyed by fire. She was alerted to the flames Thursday night by one of her cats. My cat came flying into my room and jumped on me and woke me up. Hay ran downstairs and saw flames shooting up the walls. She then ran back upstairs as the fire was spreading. And grabbed Jackson out of his room and ran outside and called 911 and banged on my neighbor's doors. It was a very aggressive fire. The initial reports from the first in unit was that there was heavy flames and smoke um, coming out the front door. Hay, originally from B.C., had just moved back after losing both of her parents in the past three years to cancer. She searched for months to find an affordable home for herself and her toddler son, Jackson. This was kind of a fresh start for me. 
moving back home, I'd kind of just gone out and bought myself all brand new bedding and tried to like let go of the last chapter and move forward in a healthy way. And now it's, it's all gone. Hay was also in the process of getting renter's insurance, but didn't have it before the fire started. She also says she was so happy to find a rental, she didn't realize there were no smoke detectors, something the landlord should have provided. She tried to go back in to save her cats, but couldn't. I was just screaming for my cats. I just wanted them to come out. I knew they were scared. I know that this has affected her deeply. Um, I can say that a couple of the firefighters actually tried their best to resuscitate um, the cats. Friends have set up a GoFundMe page to help Hay get back on her feet. Jill Bennett, Global News. Nanaimo RCMP need your help tracking down some unique baseball jerseys that were stolen from the Nanaimo Minor Baseball Association office on Wednesday night. One of the missing jerseys is this one, a red Costa Rica jersey, number six. RCMP also looking for a royal blue Italia mesh jersey, number three. And this one, a Black Sox, number three jersey with Holmes written on the back. Police say the thieves pried open the office door and took money, a laptop, a portable barbecue, and five jerseys. If you have any information, you're asked to call Nanaimo RCMP or Crime Stoppers. BC cities will be able to limit pot production in their communities once it becomes legal in October. The province is giving municipalities the right to veto industrial-style marijuana greenhouses on agricultural land. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, that won't close the door entirely on cannabis farming in the ALR. Millions of hectares of farmland is going to pot in BC. But thanks to a change in regulation, cities will now be able to say no to large-scale industrial marijuana grow facilities. There's a lot of pressure on existing farmland. We have a finite supply of farmland, particularly uh, here in the Lower Mainland. The province has given municipalities a small amount of control over agricultural land. Cement-floored growing facilities can be denied a permit. But cities will still have their hands tied on traditional field-grown plants. The mayor of Delta has been vocal about protecting agricultural land and says this measure only goes part way to address her concerns. Basically, if they're on farmland, they pay zip for uh, taxes, local taxes, because there's no differentiation between any crops. And um, yet, um, you know, is that something the public think is a good idea? The province is actively trying to spread the production of cannabis around B.C., into small communities without so much pressure on agricultural land or in industrial parks. We're already seeing successful production in Nanaimo, for example. Uh, facility is going up in Lumbee. It will be the largest employer in Lumbee. The province has given away just a small part of the decision-making on ALR land. Still many questions that have yet to be answered at the municipal level. And I really think that we have to consider what's more important, recreational pot or food for our people. And those those are our choices aaron MacArthur, global news now if you've ever recently splurged and bought an air conditioner to beat the heat you are not alone bc hydro says the use of air conditioners is up sharply especially in metro vancouver but as linda aylesworth reports the luxury of cool air comes with a hefty price tag and not just the cost of the air conditioner Air conditioners, at least in private homes, used to be a rarity in the Lower Mainland. Heat waves, when they happened at all, were of short duration. Air conditioners, not worth the expenditure. But times are changing. 
we have seen um, air conditioners uh, triple. And um, in 2001, it was about 10% of British Columbians who did have an air conditioner. In 2017, 34%. The Cold Comfort Survey by BC Hydro also found that this summer, a quarter of Lower Mainland residents are considering purchasing air conditioners. And over the past decade, we've seen more days um, at about 30 degrees or higher throughout the province, and this is leading British Columbians to purchase an air conditioner. Trail Appliances doesn't stock many kinds of air conditioners, but what they do have are flying off the shelves. But we definitely have seen an increase in those numbers coming in. We'd you know, buy X amount and then we would go through those. And sometimes, and even now, we're almost through all the ones that we've had allocated for this year. Another reason for increasing demand, look up, look way up. And I think that also can be attributed to the amount of uh, the densification of living, a lot of more towers. And especially if you're in a south-facing tower, you know how things can be. It can get extremely hot in your place. BC Hydro says there's enough power to support the growing demand, but that it's costing us, especially when we set air conditioners to temperatures below 22 degrees Celsius. What we did find was that 93% of British Columbians are setting the thermostats too low, and this is uh, causing a rise in electricity use and dramatically increasing their uh, energy bills. BC Hydro also recommends keeping shades drawn in the heat of the day and closing doors and windows when it's hotter outside than in. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. The BC Real Estate Association believes our housing market has returned to a more balanced state. The average home price in the province was $716,000 last month, down 1.3% from June of last year. There were nearly 8,000 sales, but that was a big drop of 32% from last June. Economists say lower demand and more stringent mortgage rules are the biggest reasons, but they also warn that supply is historically low in markets like the Okanagan, and that puts upward pressure on prices. We are hearing tonight from the BC man who was part of that miraculous rescue of the trapped soccer team in Thailand. Eric Brown grew up in Langley, but set up a diving business in Thailand two years ago. When the news broke of the trapped team, he volunteered to help, and he spent nine days on the recovery mission. Tonight, he says it was a one-of-a-kind mission in more ways than one. Every single challenge you can kind of throw at a diver was, 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 you know, was there. We had zero visibility, we had, you know, long sort of hikes in, we had super narrow channels, we had, you know, no communication, you know, based from one to the other. Nothing pretty crazy or something like this. We'll never see that like this again, that's for sure. No doubt. Well, we're getting a rare look tonight at a very specialized job that's definitely not for everyone. A BC-based company that travels the world working at altitudes that would make most people queasy is back here at home this week, working on a Vancouver landmark. When the sales at Canada Place are in need of some TLC. There's only one company up to the high altitude task. The job that we're doing here is we're recoding the ridge cables that hold up the five sails on Canada Place. It's part of regular maintenance to make sure the building stays sound. There are so few companies who can do this sort of thing. Using a system of ropes and harnesses, Jeremy Smith and his team at Global Rope Access tackle complex problems in hard-to-reach places. The BC-based company have found a niche that puts them high above the rest. We work on stadiums, dams, bridges, towers, 
Uh, we work at height, so this is our meat and potatoes type of contract. Contracts like this have taken them around the world. Kazakhstan, Oman, China. Closer to home, 50 of their technicians spent two years working on the Atlanta Falcons' new stadium. More recently, their crews scaled the Space Needle, a project Lauren Anders, one of the few women on this team, was on hand for. It can be intimidating for sure. Being a minority is always a little bit intimidating, but generally people are really great and um, make it pretty easy to uh, break down those barriers. Anders and 19 other workers will spend two months up here at Canada Place give or take a few rain delays of course i mean this is vancouver but with a view like this it is so nice working by the water no one's complaining and in this unusual line of work we're never doing the same thing twice and uh, that's really interesting it keeps you motivated there's no telling what the next project has in store nadia stewart global news well some great views also right now down at jericho beach and that's where our christy gordon is tonight for folk fest great night for it too christy a fantastic night for it the sun is shining chris it certainly is a bit breezy but it's helping to keep that temperature down a little bit in the sunshine really comfortable we're in front of the main stage here for the 41st annual Fa vancouver folk music festival this is darling side plane and chris it's going to be a spectacular weekend they're expecting up to 40,000 people down here here's a look at what we're expecting for temperatures the top line there are for areas away from the water so when we see this type of heat we always get a range so saturday sunday up to 30 30 32 degrees away from the water and areas near the water a little cooler spectacular weekend for the folk festival we'll be back with more in just in not too long chris all right sounds good thanks very much enjoy the sunshine down there a dramatic end to an amazing rescue on oregon's mount hood the pilot of a chinook helicopter gently lands just the tail of the helicopter on the side of the mountain to pluck a climber and six rescuers off the slope. The climber was in distress and rescuers reached him this morning but realized he wouldn't be capable of climbing down. So the helicopter was dispatched and in a remarkable display of skill, the pilot held it in position so all seven could get on board. Well, an all too familiar tragedy in China. <laughs> An explosion and fire killed 19 people and injured 12 others. It happened at a chemical plant in an industrial park in the city of Yibin in Sichuan province. Deadly industrial accidents are common in China, despite efforts to improve work safety standards. In London, even local reporters say they hadn't seen anything like it in years. Tens of thousands flooded the streets of London today to protest Donald Trump's visit to the UK. Protesters armed with a sea of signs, some a little too risque to show here, condemning his policies and his behavior. Organizers claiming that more than 100,000 people turned out to voice their opposition to Trump's visit, many of them gathering in the historic Trafalgar Square. And that Trump baby blimp we told you about earlier this week was a centerpiece of today's protests. Now, the bulk of Trump's visit took place away from the protests. The president and first lady invited to tea with the queen and Trump continuing his long-term feud with the media by denying he criticized British Prime Minister Theresa May over Brexit after doing exactly that in a newspaper interview. 
Now back in the U.S., the Robert Mueller investigation into Russian meddling dropping another bombshell today, indicting 12 Russian military intelligence officers with hacking into the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign. As Hillary Clinton stumped for votes in March 2016, Russian intelligence was burrowing into computers at her campaign and the Democratic National Committee, Mueller's prosecutors say, targeting more than 300 people. The charges say it was the work of 12 officers of Russian military intelligence. It's the most detailed accusation yet of Russian election meddling, announced just as President Trump was being welcomed by the Queen of England. And some have questioned what's behind the timing, just as Mr. Trump is preparing to meet Vladimir Putin Monday. Brief President Trump about these allegations earlier this week. The president is fully aware of the department's actions today. The charges say in late July, the Russians tried for the first time to hack into servers in Clinton's personal campaign office the same day President Trump said this. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. Prosecutors say the Russians set up DCLeaks.org to release hacked material, falsely claiming it was run by Americans. And the charges don't name WikiLeaks, but they leave no doubt it was another conduit the Russians used to heighten the impact on the election. According to court documents, just as the Democratic National Convention was about to begin, WikiLeaks messaged the Russians, if you have anything Hillary-related, we want it in the next two days. Prosecutors say the Russians created a fake persona named Guccifer 2.0 and wrote to a person in regular contact with the Trump campaign asking, did you find anything interesting in the docs I posted? While that person isn't named in the indictment, it was Roger Stone, a Trump campaign advisor. His lawyer says tonight Stone had no involvement in the hacking. Prosecutors also say a congressional candidate asked Guccifer for stolen documents about an opponent and got them. But today's charges don't accuse anyone in the U.S. of knowingly helping the Russian hackers. There's no allegation in this indictment that any American citizen committed a crime. And there's no claim in the indictment that the hacking affected the election outcome. Pete Williams, NBC News at the Justice Department. Well, it looks like the boycott campaign worked at Hudson's Bay. The retailer has announced it will no longer sell the Ivanka Trump clothing line. The Bay says the products aren't selling well. Nearly two years ago, activists called on consumers to boycott all retailers that carried any Trump-related products. The company has not said if that was a factor in today's announcement. A terrible crash and miraculous survival story coming out of California. A collision on the Pacific Coast Highway sent one car crashing down a cliff onto the rocks below. Amazingly, two of the three people in the car were ejected into the ocean, but managed to swim back to safety. The driver is in critical condition, and the driver of the other vehicle has minor injuries. In Health Matters tonight, a new study says depression during pregnancy appears to be more common among today's young mothers than in the past. Researchers in the UK who assessed depression rates of pregnant women in their early 20s in the 1990s did the same for young women in the early 2000s. And they found that today's young mothers are more likely to report symptoms of depression than their mothers had. Some of the factors they suspect are more young women juggling families and careers pressure from social media and the internet, financial stress, especially over housing costs, and less family and community support. The Supreme Court of Canada has handed a big blow to big tobacco in a case involving the B.C. government. Justices have ruled British Columbia does not have to hand over health data to Philip Morris. 
The company claimed it needed the information of millions of patients to fight lawsuits over tobacco-related diseases. But justices say giving up the data would violate privacy laws. The ruling clears a hurdle for BC's plan to sue cigarette companies for billions in health care costs. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. It's considered the toughest 400-meter race in the world, and it's in B.C. this weekend. What makes it so tough in just a moment after the forecast? I imagine the temperatures uh, this weekend won't be all that helpful to those no. athletes. All right, let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon uh, on a hot Friday evening at Folk Fest. Christy. Sophie, this is perfect weather for the Folk Fest. Behind me here, still Darling Side playing. What a fantastic opening act here on the main stage. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the festival in a second, but the gusts down here have been incredible. We're seeing gusts up to about 45 kilometers an hour, and that's the case across much of the lower mainland. A windy day, but sure is beautiful. That wind just helping to keep it more comfortable. We've been concerned about the winds, though, in the interior. Thankfully, Kamloops so far, gusts only up to about 30 kilometers an hour, but that uh, cold front is still moving through the area, so we're still concerned for those stronger gusts, and we'll be watching that over the next couple of hours. In behind, you can see the lightning strikes. That is our next concern. As the fire danger rating has jumped significantly in the past 24 hours, I expect by tomorrow, you're going to see a lot of that red, the extreme level. As we have no rain in the forecast, it's going to be hot and dry right through a good five to six days. There's your forecast across the north and down through the south expect it to be hot now we are going to see temperatures of humidity uh, humidity so that means those numbers will increase by another degree or two but not too bad and when we look at your five-day forecast picture perfect summer-like weather but it is going to be hot make sure you have water hat check on your neighbor that's for sure I want to introduce you to Jack Schuler and she he has been with the festival since 1984 a long time it's in the 41st year of the festival jack tell us you know it started way back um at stanley park and now it's here and a huge success well the first year was at stanley park and then 40 years ago it moved over to the site at jericho beach park and it's just one of the most beautiful sites ever it's uh the it's ocean and uh we've got a nice crowd here it's really wonderful how many stages There'll be five stages running all day starting at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, Saturday and Sunday. So the, the, the main stage kicks in around 6 o'clock at night. Um, we're listening to the main stage now and it'll be just a fabulous time. The weather is so great. And there's workshops going on too. Yes, we call them workshops. They're basically bringing together diverse groups from around the world. For example, tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, there's a group from Ukraine called Jaka Baraka, an Inuit duet called Quantum Tangle, and then a group that does, oh, jazzy world music from Central Europe. They're all gonna be on the same stage and they'll be interacting. That sounds like so much fun. So not just the playing performances. Um, okay, well, thank you so much for having us well, here. Thank you. Uh, the uh, visuals that you were seeing, that was Jim, Jimmy Duck. Jimmy Duck. Jimmy Duck. <laughs> I know you and I have both forgotten it. Here it is. Jimmy Duck Holmes, there you go. Uh, so there you can get your tickets online or right here. It's running right through Saturday and Sunday and it's going to be perfect weather. Thank you so much for thank having Thank you very us. much.
All right, thanks very much, Christy. Jimmy Duck Holmes must be a Smashing Pumpkins fan <laughs> is what I'm guessing, but good stuff down there for it's sure. Good rendition. Yeah. Very well it. done. Well, the Red Bull 400 is set for Whistler tomorrow, and the competitors have their work cut out for them. And they're off. It's like the running of the bulls. <laughs> 400 meters might not seem like much for everyday runners. That's once around the track. But in this case, the 400 meters is right up the Whistler ski jump. That makes it 400 meters with an altitude gain of 140 meters. Tomorrow's Whistler race is one of 17 Red Bull 400 competitions around the world. Last year, or this, that's this year, last year's race was canceled because of the forest fires. So they'll be happy to get out there this year. It looks like they're going straight up a wall. It's unbelievable. Don't oh, slip. That is crazy. Mm -hmm. Well, two food safety alerts to tell you about tonight. The CDC warning consumers not to eat a popular brand of cereal. And health officials are investigating an illness that's affected over 100 people that may be linked to McDonald's. NBC's Miguel Almaguer has details. Tonight, a blunt warning from the CDC. Do not eat this cereal. Kellogg's Honey Smacks linked to 100 salmonella infections in 33 states. I love those sweet puffs of wheat. The breakfast staple now at the center of a recall after at least 30 people were hospitalized. Salmonella is often, often linked to um, you know, pr produce items, chicken, eggs. But we are seeing more shelf-stable products um, being linked to illness. And in Illinois and Iowa, another alert at McDonald's. Jennifer Smith says she thinks she may have gotten sick after eating a Southwest salad. Health departments investigating a possible connection to the mega chain after a parasite outbreak was discovered, sickening a hundred people. I just figure eating lettuce and eating vegetables is the way to go, but now I'm just really concerned. McDonald's says out of an abundance of caution, it's removing salads from impacted restaurants. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. <laughs> Talking about stadium food, mm, BC Play Stadium yummy. food. Yes, I understand the hot dogs Dinner will be time. particularly fresh this uh, weekend <laughs> at BC Play, so that's good. All right, thanks, guys. Uh, all right, well, it will be Travis Lule who starts at quarterback tomorrow night for the Lions against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It'll be his first game action in nine and a half months since tearing up his knee last season. Lule says he is healthy and ready, and his return couldn't come at a better time with Jonathan Jennings struggling badly the first three games of the season. Travis Lule is back at the controls of the Lions. Even though it's been nearly a year since he's played in a live game, Lule's physically and mentally ready to get back at it. I do feel comfortable. I mean, I felt comfortable in the pocket all week. Throwing the football, feel good about my eyes, and as soon as the knee caught up, you know, now I feel, feel ready to roll. I hope Travis gets hit early so that he realizes he's okay. Matt Nichols must not think he's okay yet because he didn't get hit, right? The Lions would do well to protect their quarterback as effectively as the Bombers did last week. It would give Lule a fighting chance to get this team in a groove offensively, something that's been sorely lacking under John Jennings. That pass over his head, and Big Hill's got the interception. Jonathan Jennings misses Rini out of the backfield, and it's taken away by Winnipeg. And it's just that little bit of uh, veteran leadership. Um, Kind of the, the confidence he brings into the huddle uh, will, should, should rub off on the rest of us. I just really rely heavily on my guys. That's why I told him, I, you know, I need you guys. I haven't been on the field in a while, so I'm going to need you guys to, to, you know, to play at a high level for me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys a chance to win. 
Jennings has lost his job for now, but he's certainly not abandoning ship. My job right now is to support him, uh, make sure I, you know, see what's going on from a, a sideline perspective and, uh, you know, give him feedback and, and let him know uh, any any encouraging words that I have or uh, anything that I see that uh, will be advantageous on the field for him. The Whitecaps are on the road in Washington tomorrow night, taking on a D.C. United team that is opening a new stadium. And it's also the MLS debut for English superstar Wayne Rooney. Brilliant to come up against these players. Um, Wayne Rooney is a legend, probably one of the best ever players to play for England. Um, so, yeah, it's always nice to play against these players. A world-class striker, and uh, you can't take that uh, away from him. And to measure yourself against someone of, of that quality, you know, find out who's better on the day. Well, it was a tennis marathon at Wimbledon today, and we are not exaggerating. American John Isner taking on South African Kevin Anderson in the semis. Fifth set, they do not play a tiebreaker. Got to win by two games. The match hits six hours because no one can break serve. Isner fell behind Love 30 a few times, but one of his 53 aces helped preserve that. Isner involved in the longest match ever in 2010 when he beat Nicholas Mahout 70-68 to in the fifth in a match that went 11 hours, five minutes. Finally, it is Isner who blinks, gets broken in the 49th game of the fifth set. He looks just gassed. Can you blame him? Match point, and Isner will hit wide six hours, 36 minutes after they started. Longest semifinal in Wimbledon and major history. Kevin Anderson of South Africa going to the finals, but literally exhausted. Not much energy to celebrate an historic victory. I feel like this is a draw between the two of us, but... You know, somebody has to win and, you know, John's such a great guy and, you know, I'm really, I really feel for him because, you know, if I'd been on the opposite side, I don't know, you know, how you can take that playing for so long and coming out short. So, um, yeah, so I apologize if I'm not more excited right now. I just so, so many mixed emotions getting through something like that is, you know, you know, it's quite different. So his reward, he gets the winner of the second semi between Nadal and Djokovic. 27 grand slams between them. They once played a five-hour, 53-minute match in the Aussie Open final in 2010. And these two put on a show in what they did get in today. Nadal finishing off this amazing point with a drop shot winner in the third set tie break. Set point slugging it out with vicious ground strokes. These two putting everything into every ground stroke. Djokovic, though, prevails. Goes up two sets to one, but there's an 11 p.m. curfew at Wimbledon. They can't play beyond then because of uh, the neighborhood, I suppose. Have to resume tomorrow. They're at 2 hours 54 right now. Who knows how long they'll go tomorrow. A wacky day at Wimbledon. The best pro skateboarders in the world are at Hastings Skate Park this weekend. The competition started today and resumes tomorrow at noon and 2. Unfortunately, no Sean White, as had been rumored. He had to pull out due to an injury. But you could see many of these guys at the Olympics in 2020 where skateboarding will debut as a medal sport. It's nice to have all the pros back. It's a whole younger generation, fresh faces. The level of talent's extremely high right now. And great to have it here in Vancouver. Someone like Sean White and when I was a child in the 2000s he was destroying uh, vertical skateboarding contests and doing very well. Being as talented as he is I still personally think he would have a hard time with the younger generation of kids that are here today. He's old now? Is that what Apparently <laughs> dude's past his prime but uh, he was going to come here and uh, unfortunately had to pull out yesterday but still a lot of great you know if you like that sort of thing this is the best in the world so mm -hmm. they skate can park. go. Skate park. 
looks great too. So mm -hmm. yeah, great competition. Thanks, Barry. A lot of paint. Thanks, Barry. <laughs> Let's check in with Jay Durant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Sophie. We'll have the very latest on the fire warnings ahead of a hot, dry weekend. Plus, a Surrey mother is incensed after her daughter's roadside memorial continues to be pillaged by thieves. Cassandra Collius was killed by a drunk driver seven years ago, but the flowers her family leaves at the crash site seem to disappear every year. And the honor system is a decades-old tradition at many BC family farms. You take a food item from the fridge and you leave cash behind, but some people don't follow the rules, what this guy is accused of doing and where it's happening. Those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11. Oopsies. Shocking. It's always a camera watching. <laughs> Might take you a bit longer to get to Vancouver Island. Maybe a millisecond or two. We've got that story coming up next. But first, here's Kasia Badurka with five things to do this weekend. Kasia. Yeah, we've got all your senses covered in this edition of Five Things. First, enjoy the sounds and vibe at the Vancouver Island Music Fest in Courtney. Once again, a wide range of talented musicians will take the outdoor stage at the exhibition grounds. Bring the kids, by the way. They'll love the kids' zone. BC Super Week continues with races and events happening across the region. If you're in Port Coquitlam, chances are you see all the action already. Check out the races and festivities, including the Play Zone Mini Racetrack and live entertainment. If you're into live music on the outside and appreciate local craft beer, look no further than the Red Truck Stop Concert Series. It's back and featuring the Dial Tone Saturday from 7 till 9 in East Van. If you're more into a Latin vibe, how about a little salsa? Enjoy Sunday afternoon salsa dancing at Robson Square. Try the free lesson at 3 p.m., watch the performances at 5, or just join in on the dancing throughout the afternoon. Now, if you're in the Caribou, check out Hot July Nights Car and Bike Show in 100 Mile. A full weekend of events, including the Show and Shine in Centennial Park, Free For All, featuring live music, vendors, and of course, an incredible display of classic cars. For more on this, head to globalnews.ca slash five things. Five Things to Do is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners. Plus, get the best roadside assistance. Coming up on ET Canada, we're in Paris for the premiere of Mission Impossible Fallout, plus candid confessions from Michael Bublé and Kris Jenner. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. Thank you very much, Carlos. Well, you wouldn't have noticed it, and it's not going to stretch out the ferry trip, but Vancouver Island has shifted just a little farther off our coast. It's happened over the last few months. The south portion of the island has moved about 5 millimeters to the west, Scientists explain this remarkable phenomenon. So over the past uh, about three weeks, southern Vancouver Island has undergone this, what we call, episodic tremor and slip. So there are two things going on. One is uh, uh, actually thousands of tiny, tiny tremors that haven't been felt but, uh, but can easily be recorded by our seismograph network. So we have a lot of these tremors going on in the South Island, uh, and at the same time, this region is moving, has moved uh, a very small amount, a few millimeters, to the west. People would be scared, but if you do a little bit of research, I don't think it's something to be concerned about. It happens in subduction zones around the world, so it's not, it's not unusual, but it's, uh, it's a really important process. So we move towards Vancouver, we go back a tiny bit towards Vancouver, back a tiny bit. And that continues for hundreds of years. We're about four or five millimeters uh, closer to Japan today than we were um, last month at this time. As long as they don't charge us more on the ferry. I'm delighted. 
<laughs> Why? <laughs> because we like to be isolated here. <laughs> we like people to come and visit us. And we don't want to visit them. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people feel that way, don't they? Having lived on Vancouver Island mm-hmm. for many years. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't surprise me here. They're Keith, quite happy about it. Keith Baldry likes to say that he gets back to Canada as little as possible. <laughs> he lives on Vancouver Island. So. His hair is now further away. Than <laughs> That's, right. That's right. <laughs> All right, let's head back to uh, Jericho and a Folk Pass, where Christy is tonight. What do you Ooh. have there? So you can buy one of those tickets or... This is a hurricane potato, one of the very many uh, different types of food items you can get down here at the Folk Festival. You know, we couldn't have planned a better weekend for the Folk Festival. We'll see sunshine right through the weekend. If you're headed down here, you can get tickets at the door. It starts at 10 a.m., goes right through the day, but you need a hat, you need sunglasses, not like, don't use me as an example, <laughs> and you need your water. But great music so far, and uh, this is pretty pretty spectacular. It's potato, but you can also get them in zucchini and they're just slightly deep fried. And this isn't ketchup. This is sriracha. So it is hot. Oh, nice. Spicy. Yeah, I know she likes her uh, deep fried potatoes. That's right. All right. As long as you got the sunscreen on there, Gordo, a golden glow as a lot of people will have, I think. Uh, Enjoy the weekend. Thanks very much for spending your time with us and I'll see you in a little bit. I'm going on vacation. Have a good vacation. Thank you. Have a good weekend all.